What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Monkey Finance Show podcast. And today we're going to be recording episode number 62. And uh, I want to spend a majority of this episode talking about the current state of the markets, what's going on. I know I've been missing for a long time. Um, you know, here in Chicago, we have two seasons. we got winter and summer. And summer is upon us, and summer is a very short season. So I've been... <laughs> I've been taking advantage of, of this beautiful weather, uh, been vacationing a lot. Uh, I was up in northern Michigan for, for about a week and uh, really just enjoying the uh, the outdoors as much as I can. So I know I've kind of neglected you uh, loyal listeners to the podcast. Um, so, you know, probably this summer we'll, we'll maybe be doing an episode a month. Um, again, I'll do I'll do the best I can. Uh, at the very least to get on here once a month, but uh, the weekly stuff might be on pause, uh, just kind of with the current schedule and everything I got going on. Uh, but let's just get into it. Uh, the state of the market. So as of today's recording, June 14th, uh, the broader market, total U.S. stock market is down about 23%. Uh, international markets are down about 18.5%. And um U.S. small cap value is down 15.5% year to date. So, yeah, you know, staggering uh, losses to start the year. But, again, to be expected, you can't have uh, so many green years and not expect, uh, you know, a little bit of a of a correction in the market. I think we've officially entered a bear market as far as the broader U.S. market or the S&P 500. Um I embrace it. I welcome these times uh, as as an investor with a very long time horizon. Uh, I know this is going to be one of many times where the markets are going to be down, and uh, that shouldn't shift or change my philosophy or my approach to investing. I still do the same single thing that I always do, which is continue to buy uh, whenever I have the money and the cash available. Right now, it's limited to every other Friday, really, uh, when the paycheck comes in. And uh, outside of that, um, not a lot, a whole lot of other investing I can do. I just don't have the cash. Um, you know, with, with me quitting my job in March of 2021, we've taken a, a drastic reduction in our income as our household income dropped from 160000 to now 90000 So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, that was... Uh, something that we planned for and calculated and decided it was still the right move, especially with with a kid on the way and now um, me getting to uh, raise our kid. He's almost nine months old, which is crazy how time's flown. Uh, but, you know, it's still the right decision. And eventually I do plan on getting back into the workforce in some capacity um, once he starts school and all that. But that's either, neither here nor there. Let's talk about these markets. So, Right now, the big talk is uh, inflation is still high, right? And um, the Fed's still being forced to raise interest rates to get inflation under control, uh, which spells bad news for the equities markets. And uh, we've seen probably some of the biggest biggest sell-offs be in tech. Um, if you look at uh, the NASDAQ 100, it's down over 33% to start the year. Uh, that's uh, sold off quite a bit. It's I still believe it's got a long way to go before it bottoms out, but that's just my beliefs. Uh, but even beyond that, if you look at other asset classes, if you look at crypto, for example, Bitcoin's down over 50% to start the year, which I always find that funny. Um, I thought the whole idea behind Bitcoin 
was that it was a hedge against uh, equity markets. And it seems to be performing uh, in line with equity markets. Actually, it's performing much worse. Barter markets are down 23%. Bitcoin's down double that. So not a very good hedge. Not a good hedge against inflation. Not a good store of value. Um, another investment that I, I like to uh, talk a lot about is ARK. A-R-K-K. This is uh, Kathy Wood's flagship uh, actively managed ETF fund. It's down over 63% to start the year. After being pummeled in 2021, uh, the, the beating continues. Um, and beyond ARC, when you start looking at, um, even w- within ARC, when you start looking at some of the holdings, again, uh, these are uh, low uh, revenue of zero revenue companies for some of them, uh, and not revenue, um, pr- uh, profit-wise, zero profitable companies, I think outside of Tesla and one other holding she has, uh, all of them have negative earnings per share. And that, that spells doom and gloom for, um, at least in the short term, as far as uh, this fund making any kind of, you know, comeback. Uh, but beyond that, uh, a lot of the retail stocks or YouTube stocks that are zero revenue, uh, they've been pummeled 80% plus. Um, a lot of the SPACs, actually, I think most of the SPACs are, are, are down a lot. Some of them are down 90%. And, you know, it just goes to show you when when times are good, people um, people like to think that it's always going to be like this. And now that people are losing their hats, uh, they're kind of realizing, hey, um, you know, this isn't as easy as we thought it would be. Of course, it never is. We uh, At least I knew that. But I think a, a lot of people needed to come to that realization. Uh, and I still think it's it's a mindset uh, issue that I see out here is with index investing, the idea is, you know, you're supposed to be a, a very calm investor. You're supposed to uh, weather the storm because you, you've you prepared yourself, right? And the mentality should always be the same. It shouldn't be changing because uh, of geopolitical issues. It shouldn't be changing because of what the inflation rate is. Because again, that stuff is out of your control. Uh, control the controllables and uh, you should really have a piece uh, within your investing that uh, you should not be checking your portfolio daily or weekly because that stuff will just drive you nuts Uh, you shouldn't be speculating on you know this is the market bottom so I'm going to buy the dip here Um, you shouldn't be market timing like that I think that always ends up being the wrong decision when you look back on it and at the end of the day you should just really be calm and focus on other aspects of life like I've done. I've taken a huge step back from uh, everything in the markets and just decided to enjoy my life because it's not worth stressing yourself out. It's not worth making any kind of emotional decisions that will probably lead you to a worse outcome in the future uh, because you're not thinking rationally. So uh, for those of you that are rational investors, stay the course as always. and and stay stay away from speculative stuff. Now that you've seen how badly people can get hurt, don't think that um, you can get into these investments again and and, and ride them up. Some of them, uh, I don't want to say none of them, but some of them might go back up. But the majority of these will probably not go back up to their all time highs. Um, uh, if this is anything like what happened in the dot com bubble in the two thousands, uh, you'll see that most companies did not reach their all-time highs ever again. 
and it's only a very few like the Amazons and the Apples that did, but there was for every Amazon and Apple, there's hundreds that didn't. Uh, so, you know, don't think this is a, a buying opportunity uh, because you still want to, uh, if you're going to be uh, investing in um, individual stocks or picking your own companies, you still would rather own quality companies at a good price uh, versus owning bad companies at a really cheap price. It, it just doesn't make sense. So that's the um, current happenings in the market. Uh, let me give you a quick update on uh, what's happening with me. Uh, I don't know for those of you that care. If you don't, that's fine. But uh, right now, um, just had the uh, 10,000 subscriber mark happen on YouTube, which was a big deal for me. Um, I, I put out a thank you video and I uh, want to put out a, a huge thank you here on the podcast too. everybody that listens to the podcast. The podcast is not as successful as the YouTube channel, but that's okay. Uh, you know, you can't uh, have everything grow exponentially. Uh, even the YouTube channel growth has actually slowed down uh, in this um, uh, bear market that we've entered. But um, I want to also thank all the podcast listeners. I know a lot of you from the podcast probably came over from the YouTube channel. So thank you for that. I, I really appreciate you. There's a few hundred of you that are loyal listeners. Uh, every time I put out a podcast, gets a couple of hundred downloads right away. And then, you know, there's a lot of uh, downloads after that that just trickle in. But it's really the majority of a couple of hundred that are always listening. So thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, and for you, I always want to uh, come on here and be that voice of reason uh, that can uh, help you on, on your in your investing journey. Now, some of the other things that's going on with me is uh, I want to talk about the money things, uh, not so much the investing side, but the money side. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, uh, I quit my job in twenty uh, March of 2021, took a drastic pay cut, about 70K. Um, some of that has been made up through uh, the YouTube, the podcasting, and, and, and the coaching business. Uh, but it, it it's not to the point where I've been able to uh, attack those things full time to actually replace my income. And when we did our taxes for in 2022 for 2021, we actually dropped uh, a tax bracket. We went from the 22% federal tax bracket to the 12% uh, because our our adjusted gross income was was about uh, $81,000. So we, we kind of just fell at the top of that 12% bracket, which it always uh, depends how you want to look at it. It could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. Uh, but it's opened up some opportunities now uh, for me to potentially think about a strategic uh, Roth conversion from my traditional IRA um, because we're in the lower tax bracket and because the market sold off a little bit. The value of that traditional IRA has, has fallen and um, I, I suspect that I we're not going to be in the 12% tax bracket, you know, in three to five years from now, right? I expect us to get back to that 150, 160 in income. So it could be a potential here for me to maybe do a Roth conversion and, and move some money over from the traditional IRA, if not move all of it into a Roth. Um, if that happens, I'll keep you guys updated and might even... Uh, dedicate a video or maybe a podcast uh, episode to that on how that uh, process goes. I am with Vanguard now, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, still learning the platform. It'll be interesting to see how easy it is uh, to do it with them. 
I know Fidelity makes it really easy, but we'll see um, with Vanguard how that works out. Um, some of the other things I want to talk about is uh, the the direction that I want to start taking my content in. I do want to talk, obviously I'm still going to talk investing. That is the primary uh, focus of, of the YouTube channel. Uh, but here on the podcast, I do want to talk more about money as well, money management, uh, meaning uh, how to get your savings rate up, how to pay off debt, uh, and some of the things that I use in my daily life to uh, be a good money manager. Uh, while investing is is very important, uh, you're not going to become very rich if you don't invest. I think equally as important, if not more important, is getting your money set up so that you can invest. And uh, it's really some of these tips and tricks that I've learned over the last four years of, of running a financial coaching business where I've uh, seen clients with varying degrees of of mismanaged uh, uh, money. And I've been able to help the majority. We've had a few that, uh, you know, have fallen through the cracks, whether uh, it's me being a terrible coach to them or, you know, them not being motivated enough to get out of debt and get their money right. But the majority of, of people that I work with do eventually find success with managing money. And I want to bring more of those angles here to the show so that uh, maybe uh, those of you that can't afford a coaching session or afford to hire me on as a financial coach for, for you uh, could still benefit by listening and uh, potentially, you know, getting some helpful money, saving tips and all that. So uh, we will be shifting more content here on the, on the podcast towards that. It's what I generally like to talk about um, and, you know, even a little bit into the YouTube channel. But as far as my money, um, it's been tough. Uh, ever since my kid's been born, a lot of unforeseen expenses. I mean, uh, you can only plan so well, right? But there's always stuff that, that comes at you. Obviously, you know, um, a few extra doctor visits and a few uh, even two emergency room visits that we didn't expect for, uh, which, you know, gets expensive. We do have, obviously, medical insurance, but uh, there's only so much that covers. And uh, a lot of that is left uh, for us to cover out of pocket. So a lot of these visits that are not considered routine or preventive um, are costing us some money. So for example, uh, two or no, almost three weeks ago now, both me, my wife and my son had COVID. And, uh, luckily, you know, for me, I, I really showed no symptoms. I, I didn't feel sick at all, but fortunately my wife uh, had a rough patch for a couple of days and my son too, uh, had a high fever of like one Oh three. So, you know, had to go to the doctor and uh, after that, he wasn't eating, so I had to go back to the doctor to make sure he was hydrated and see if we need to get him on an IV drip. Uh, so a lot of those things are costing money. Um, with the formula shortage, we've uh, since day one, we've actually ordered our formula from Europe. Now it's technically illegal to do that, but uh, that's what we've been doing. We, we prefer the European brand formula uh, just because of... Um, a lack of, of a lot of the chemicals like corn syrup being primarily the number one ingredient in, in baby formula here in the U.S. Um, so, you know, that has seen a rise uh, in, in cost over the last couple of months with the shortage here. I think a lot of people have started to order theirs from Europe and 
you know that's driven up the cost of formula to now almost uh, uh, we're paying per can I think fifty nine dollars, and we're lucky if a can lasts a week. So um, that's well over about two hundred fifty bucks a month in a formula. Uh, same thing with diapers. Uh, kids pee and poop a lot, so you need diapers and. Uh, the wife tends to like some of these uh, organic uh, plant-based diapers that don't have all these chemicals, and those cost a lot too. I think a box of those uh, is running us about 50 bucks. That's for like 100 diapers, so do the math on that. It's 50 cents a diaper. Um, and then clothes. Uh, kids outgrow clothes a lot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were uh, lucky enough and blessed enough uh, to have – uh, a lot of people, uh, when we had the announcement in the baby shower, you know, get us a whole bunch of stuff, uh, clothes and all that. But, you know, now he's nine months old and he's uh, not fitting in those, you know, cute three to six month clothes anymore. So, you know, we've had to go out and buy a lot of clothes, uh, additional products, baby wipes, um, sunscreen, uh, eczema creams, all this stuff. So it, it's really adding up, uh, to a lot more than I had budgeted for. Uh, so money's been tight for me. And this is uh, something that's important because, you know, sometimes we can plan till we're blue in the face, but real life turns out differently. And, and for me, uh, that's, that's been the case here in the past couple of months. And, you know, I've had, I don't have any money to invest. Um, I hate to say this, but I'm back to living paycheck to paycheck. Now, don't feel bad for me, okay? Because I'm in, I'm in a real great position. Obviously, you know I've I've established myself uh, in paying off the debt and having you know high balances in retirement accounts and even you know a seventy plus k taxable account that I can always draw from if need there be. But um, it's 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 been tough. It's been. Uh, uh, you know, basically down to one income. The YouTube income has dried up a lot. I don't know what's going on with the ad revenue, but it's shrinking. And, uh, you know, taking care of a kid full time hasn't allowed me to take on any new coaching clients. I just honestly don't have the time. And I don't want to uh, damage my relationship with existing clients. I really want to make sure they're taken care of. And they're a priority for me because they were, you know, the loyal ones. They were uh, hiring me when I didn't even need that money. So I, I always uh, make sure I'm, I'm there for them. And, you know, even with the podcasting, I'm not really a couple of, you know, not, I'll be lucky to make a hundred bucks a month from podcasting. So money's tight. And what's what this has allowed me to do is kind of take a step back and really uh, be more empathetic towards uh, people that uh, have either a single income or people that, uh, are even if they have two incomes, if they're making under a hundred thousand, uh, I'm more empathetic to their situation now than I think I I was in the past, and that maybe might help me become a better coach too. Because I'm living it now, and I'm telling you, it's tough. It's it's not easy. Um, is it still possible? Yes, but it's not easy. And one thing I think about is how tight it is now. God, how much worse it would be if. I still had a credit card payment at the end of the month or if I still had a car payment or a student loan payment or any kind of payment because right now the only payment that I have is a mortgage payment which is about 1500 bucks um and that's it and I, I just 
I I couldn't imagine if me having this income back in you know 2018 when I had all that debt with a kid, um, it would be crippling, right? There was n- there'd be no way we can make it. We'd just have to dig ourselves in a bigger hole. And therein lies that trap, that kind of um, trap that people fall into and they never are able to dig themselves out of it and become successful financially because it's very difficult to do, right? Like it, unless you get your income up, there's only so much you can cut in spending. Obviously, we could cut, you know, some of the luxuries of do we need plant-based organic diapers? Maybe not. You know, maybe the Huggies or the, or the uh, other brand, I forget now, Love's. I think it's called, uh, or Pampers, not Loves. Pampers uh, might be, you know, a few, few dollars cheaper and maybe, you know, instead of the organic European formula, we just get the standard uh, Similac or whatever the case may be. But, you know, that's not really what's breaking the bank here. It's really the unexpected stuff. The uh, doctor visits, uh, you know, the untimely uh, events of getting COVID and, and all three of us getting it. Um, and, and just, you know, a growing baby, a growing baby who, who always needs stuff. So it's, it's been tough. It it really has. And, um, I just want to come on here and say, Hey, I feel it too. Uh, I'm not somebody who is exempt, uh, uh, from the day-to-day struggles, even though, uh, I am somewhat of a financial guru and I talk about this stuff for a living. Um, doesn't mean that, you know, 24 seven, my life's always perfect financially. It's not. Um, and, and now is a struggling point. And, uh, again, I'm forever thankful that I'm not in debt any longer, that I don't use credit cards any longer, that, uh, I'm still, you know, in a, in a tough spot, but I'm making it work and it could always be worse. And, and it is worse for a lot of people. So I get that, uh, obviously with inflation too, uh, not just gas, but groceries have gotten more expensive, um, and we've had to have some difficult decisions, you know, uh, do you go to whole foods and spend three, 400 bucks for a grocery trip or, uh, do you shop uh, somewhere else and maybe do it for half? Right. So, uh, it is, uh, it is decisions you have to make for yourself and your family. And, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, certain luxuries have to get cut in times like this, uh, with a recession looming or maybe, We'll see in a couple of months if we're already in a recession, but, um, you know, eventually in an economic downturn, uh, jobs will start getting cut and a lot of difficult decisions have to be made by families and households on how they're spending their money. And I really hope that, uh, you know, in future episodes, I can uh, uh, bring you into my world and show you how I do it. And uh, if you want to try or, or copy my strategy on handling money to see if that helps you, I think uh, it will be a win-win for everybody. Uh, I really get a lot of satisfaction knowing that I help change people's lives. That's my driving uh, force behind everything that I do here with, with the financial media side of my business. Obviously, my financial coaching business I get to interact with people one-on-one, so it's more personal uh, when you do it one-on-one. Again, I, I get great satisfaction from that, and 
and meet a lot of really cool people and some that now I consider uh, not just acquaintances but friends who I check up on. So, you know, that's been fun. But also uh, this uh, financial media side, I get to reach a much, much bigger audience. And with that, I think comes even greater responsibility because uh, I don't know who I'm talking to. (laughs) It's just me and a mic here. I don't get to uh, see you on the other side who's listening. So uh, a lot of the stuff that I say on here, I'm speaking in uh, broad general terms because I don't want to mislead anybody uh, down a path where uh, they dig themselves in in an even bigger hole, right? So um, for example, a good example actually is is when I say I don't use credit cards. Um, I say that because I don't use credit cards. Now, if I started using credit cards again, I would gladly come on here and say I use them. Uh, but does that mean that nobody should ever use credit cards? No. I think there is uh, a group of people who can use credit cards, not just responsibly, but they're in a financial position where it it won't hurt them, right? But if if you're in my situation now, for example, and I'm barely making it month to month um, with a few hundred bucks to spare, and then all of a sudden I introduce credit cards in the mix, I'm really uh, opening myself up to overspending when I'm in a very vulnerable position. And if I start to overspend on a credit card and then the bill comes due and I can't pay it off because money's tight, all of a sudden I, I run into problems. And, and that's uh, really the people I'm talking to. And I think you guys are smart enough to to differentiate between somebody who, you know, has a good income and has, uh, you know, minimal debt if, if they're, or maybe they're debt-free and they choose to use credit cards. That's not going to put them in a situation where they're going to get in trouble. Uh, but for others uh, that are, you know, struggling month to month, credit cards are probably your, I would say your number one problem um, outside of maybe you don't make enough money. Um, and that's the always the first place to look when it comes to uh, finding overspending is to look on your credit card statements. You, you, you want to use this highlighter method that I use I started using this uh, in 2018 when I realized I had a credit card problem. I I got two colors, uh, a yellow and a blue highlighter. And yellow was my needs and blue was my wants. And when you start to break it up uh, by highlighting your statement and you see more blue than yellow, then you might have a spending problem, right? If you uh, if you're high and also be careful how you highlight these things, right? So needs are going to be things like housing, right? Your rent or your mortgage and things associated with that, um, transportation, uh, and, and food and, and utilities. Those are going to be needs. Wants could be things like, well, you know, I, I want a new pair of shoes, but the ones I got on me are just fine. But you know, I want a new pair. That's not really a need unless you got holes in your shoes and, you step into a puddle and your feet are all wet, then probably you need new shoes. But if you just want new shoes because your shoes are a little dirty or they're not new anymore, that's 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 a want. That's not a need. So, you know, when you go through your credit card statement with these two highlighters, this is what I do with every client that I hire on, by the way. Um, that's like our first exercise together. Uh, and you, you really see a, a picture of, of your spending 
And what it does, it, it forces you to to think about those transactions uh, individually. Um, when you look at you know four or five pages of transactions, you probably can just look at the total balance and um, come up to some kind of conclusion. Okay, did I overspend or underspend based off an arbitrary number I wanted my balance to be? Uh, but when you get into the individual transactions, it forces you to think about them. And some of them are problematic because you might not even remember making them. Or maybe you made them and you no longer own that product or whatever the case may be. Um, a good one that I always run into is Amazon purchases. Um, there's really not a lot of good stuff you can buy on Amazon. It's all cheap crap usually and it falls apart. Uh, but, you know, there's some people that are habitual spenders on, on Amazon. And my word of advice there, if that's you, is to always try to create a barrier for yourself uh, so that you're not spending as easily as clicking uh, on your app and, you know, having the box show up at your door the next day. Um, that's one easy way, you know, you can delete the app. You can delete the stored uh a debit card or credit card you have on there, which forces you now to do a couple of steps. You get a log into the Amazon website, which if you're doing it from a phone could be a little bit of a hassle. You got to retype your card information every time. And that will probably uh, help some of you not, you know, buy what you were intending to buy. And you always want to sleep on uh, purchases of a hundred dollars or more anyways. Um, you know, sometimes, we as humans, we get that uh, uh, need or that adrenaline rush to shop. It's like a dopamine hit. And then uh, once you actually do the shopping and you're done, it's over. Like the the, the fun part was the shopping, right? So uh, a trick that I teach people who have this problem is, you know, do all the shopping, get the stuff in your cart and uh, turn it off and go to sleep. <laughs> and then when you wake up the next day, uh, if you still remember it's in your cart, maybe, yeah, you know, maybe you want to order it. If not, just move on and forget about it. Um, now, these companies have gotten smart to this trick and they start sending emails. Hey, there's stuff in your cart. And, you know, that's uh, a way to remind you, hey, come spend money. But, you know, that's an easy trick. But always create a barrier between you and your spending. And that helps eliminate, you know, a lot of the overspending that that could be done online. And another thing is subscriptions. And I know everybody's got them because we all cut the cord and in cutting the cord we've doubled our bills uh because you know instead of a hundred dollar cable bill now you got 15 ten dollar subscriptions uh but they're no longer ten dollars a lot of these subscriptions are rising uh netflix i think now is like almost 20 bucks maybe 17.99 or something like that i still have the 9.99 netflix standard sd plan that's the only subscription uh outside of my mlb.tv subscription which is a $169 annually. Those are the only two subscriptions I have. Um, so really focus on subscriptions too. Um, make sure you're, if you're going to have them, that's fine. But do you really need like 10 or 15? Focus on the ones that you use and, and the ones you're not using. Make sure you guys get those canceled out. Because it doesn't, again, subscriptions are tricky. They don't seem like they hurt um, because they're 5 10 bucks here or there. Uh, but they add up into sometimes uh, a car payment or uh, a utility bill or something, right? They add up. If you add them all up together, you get a decent amount. Uh, another thing, which I can't for the life of me understand, but it's these food delivery services. I know I've been seeing these Uber Eats commercials where you can eat anything 
or DoorDash, but do you really need to have, you know, McDonald's delivered and pay an extra five, 10 bucks for it? Like, come on now, just, if you're going to do that, just get in your car and drive and get it. Uh, and sometimes because you don't have the food delivery services and you get those late night cravings, uh, because of the fact that you have to get in your car and drive it, it kind of creates a barrier between yourself and, and, and that food. And for the most part, that's a good thing. Probably means you're not going to go out and, and buy it. Right. And, that's the whole um, point of this exercise or these exercises in, in kind of helping curve your daily spending habits is to create a barrier. And once you have that barrier, it's uh, it's almost like a second uh, double check to make. It's like a checks and balances. It's like a second double check to make sure um, that you really want that thing. Um, if food delivery is not a problem for you, but maybe eating out is, that's another thing you have to uh, consider cutting in times like this. Um, I used to like to go out for steak dinners. I like steaks and, uh, you know, it's okay to go to Costco and buy, you know, a six pack of New York strips for 50 bucks. And now all of a sudden you got yourself for under 10 bucks, a, a steak dinner whenever you want it at home uh, versus, you know, going out to a restaurant and, paying 50, 60 bucks for a steak dinner. So stuff like that um, uh, will really will make a huge difference over the long run. And I haven't gotten to a 50, no longer I'm at a 50% savings rate, obviously, but when I did get to a 50% savings rate, I didn't get there by um, indulging. I got there because I cut a lot of that stuff out. Now, when I originally got there to uh, in, in 2019, saving 50% of my income, um, I voluntarily did that, right? 2019, 2020, and 2021 until I uh, decided to quit my job. And obviously, it's very difficult to save 50% of 90000 when you have uh, obligations of, you know, 55000 60000 a year now. Um, so after taxes and health insurance and all that, I don't really have much money left over. Uh, so obviously I can't say 50%, but when I did, I did it using these, uh, sort of tips and tricks. Um, and it, and it works. It really does. When, and, and the fun part about it is you can turn it into a game if you want. And it's usually forced, uh, meaning you force it on yourself. You don't want to be in a position where it's forced because you are about to go broke and file for bankruptcy. Right? So, it's it's a more fun game when you're playing it because you're forcing yourself versus when um, external factors and, and circumstances are forcing it upon you. So uh, that's the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much. Hopefully uh, that's a little bit of beneficial um, update uh, for those of you loyal listeners. I still appreciate you guys so, so much. Uh, and until next time, guys, remember, move obstacles, keep investing.